I'm Maria Hill, and this is The Haunted Spaces, a podcast of short stories about the paranormal. Happy Halloween, everyone! Today's story, Rockabye Ghost Baby, is based on a true story. This actually happened to me a few years ago. It's about the time that I went to an antique show and I got a baby cradle for my little girl who was about three at the time. And it turned out to come with an extra visitor that I wasn't anticipating. Here is Rockabye Ghost Baby. Saturday. The annual Brockway Antique Auction is something that I always look forward to in September. It's held at the Brockway Farms, a local dairy farm with wide open fields, cider, and donuts. Antique dealers from all over the area set up their items in the barn for browsing. I love antiques. It's like catching a glimpse into the past, into the lives of strangers who lived long ago. There's something very personal about holding an old teacup and imagining the lady who sipped from it while reading a novel or holding a brooch that meant something to someone, somewhere, long before I was even born. I imagine the person who owned the items in another lifetime, before they were old and discolored, chipped or broken. I want to know what it was like when they were new and treasured, before they were lost or forgotten. Antiquing is an emotional venture for me. While fun and exciting, it's also quite draining, exhausting really. So many conflicting feelings in one place are difficult to cope with for someone who feels everything so strongly. When we step into the barn on this fall day, I can feel the emotions attached to the items, pulling me in different directions. I am immediately drawn to a wooden baby doll cradle with a faded orange teddy bear painted at its head. The bear is wearing blue overalls and is holding a rake. At the foot of the cradle are two yellow teddy bears in overalls, embracing and standing near a bush. This would be so adorable for Paige, I say to myself, rocking it back and forth gently. I picture her putting her dolls in it and singing them to sleep. My fingers sweep the side of the wood, feeling the smooth texture, examining it. I'll think about it, I tell myself, and head toward the old books, my favorite. I scan the dusty piles, lifting them one by one and turning the pages carefully. I am searching for any handwritten notes on the inside of the covers, for clues that might provide any insight into who the previous owners were. Kate Bradley, 1934, one says in black ink. It has a thick green cover and appears to be some kind of mathematics book. There are notes in the margin of the chapters. I wonder how old Kate was when she was studying from this book, what she looked like, who she was. An old novel with a brown cover has lettering that have worn off completely, so I cannot see the title. To my lovely son, Love Mother, is scrawled in pencil on the inside cover. I wonder what this book is about and why it was chosen for this woman's son. I imagine his mother inscribing a message before giving it to him for a holiday or a birthday. Something catches my eye as I set the book down. Whoa, I say out loud and reach for an old wedding album. 1907 is written on cursive at the bottom of the page. Many of the black and white photographs have brown edges and creases, 
they show a large wedding party with several men and women surrounding the bride and groom. Although no one is smiling, their eyes emit joy. I close my own eyes and imagine being there on that day with them, and it feels like traveling back in time. Smiling, I set the album down carefully. My thoughts come back to the cradle, and I turn to look at it briefly before moving to a stack of faded, brittle letters. My heart leaps, knowing that I have the opportunity to hold the paper that someone else once held while writing their deepest thoughts or expressing their feelings to another person. I want to know who they are, what they were thinking when they were writing these letters, and what the world was like then. The letter I choose to read is written on a faded piece of stationery with blue lines that start at the sides of the top and meet in the middle with a monogram with the letters E-M-W. Edward, the author, tells his friend Charles that he is moving away to avoid marrying someone that he barely knows. Although he knows it will hurt his parents, he cannot bring himself to go through with it. It is signed, regretfully yours, Edward. Consumed with sadness, I replace the letter in the stack with the others and find myself wandering back to the cradle. Rocking it once again and looking closely at the painting, I consider whether I should try to win it at the auction. Suddenly, I have an overwhelming feeling that I should not bring this cradle into my home, and I remove my hand from it. A voice inside me tells me I should walk away. So I do. Meeting up with my father and young son outside of the barn, it's time for the auction. The crowd stands watching the auctioneer list the numbers of the items that are up for grabs. We watch the excited faces of the winners. A beautiful mahogany chest goes to an older gentleman with a bowler hat, and a box of costume jewelry goes to a woman with a cane. A young couple embraces as they realize they have won the gorgeous table with intricate detailing around the base. I decide to take James to get a donut and a cup of cider. Taking his hand, we leave my dad and walk through the dried leaves up to the folding table, where a teenager pours him a plastic cup of cider from a gallon jug and hands him a cinnamon donut wrapped in a paper towel. He takes a giant bite and giggles as cinnamon and sugar cover his face. We laugh together while he finishes his treat before walking back through the leaves to join my father again. When we arrive, he is nowhere to be found. I glance through the crowd but don't spot him. Huh, I think. Maybe he went to the bathroom. We stand in our spot and continue watching the auctioneer calling out the items. I spot a face walking in our direction through the crowd of heads turned toward the event and realize that it's my father. I stand on my tippy toes and wave so he can find us. I see that he's carrying a large item in his arms as he makes his way toward us. When the crowd parts and he meets up with us, I see what he's carrying. It's the cradle. A wave of anxiety washes over me. What's that? I say, staring at it. Oh, I got it for Paige. I thought she might like it, he replies with a smile. I stand in silence for a moment before forcing a smile in return. Monday evening. Paige finishes up playing for the evening and places her baby doll in its cradle, covering it with a small blanket and kissing it goodnight. She looks up at me with a grin, her blonde wisps of hair sticking out of her pigtails. 
Her hair hasn't grown in long enough yet to make actual pigtails, so they're more like tiny little spikes. Shh, she whispers. Time for night-night. And she tiptoes over to her bed and climbs in. I follow her and tuck her blankets around her. Night-night, sleep tight, I say, giving her a kiss on the forehead. Night, Mama, she answers, and I walk to the bed next to hers and do the same with James, who is already asleep. See you in the morning, I say, and shut off the light to their room. I head into my own bedroom across the hall and get into bed. Rob is already snoring in his side when George, my orange tabby, jumps up and finds a comfortable spot for the night. Later that night, something wakes me up. When I open my eyes, I think I hear a child's voice talking, or singing maybe? Listening carefully, I realize that it's coming from the kid's bedroom. Oh my god, who is awake right now, I think, and pull the covers off me. I sit up and stretch my arms, giving myself a moment to open my eyes before I have to go put a child back to sleep. I groan, seeing the clock that says 3.57 a.m. Holding my ear out to the air, I listen carefully but don't hear anything. Guess I must have been dreaming, I think to myself, and lie back down to get an hour more of sleep. Tuesday night. Again I wake to the voice of a child, only this time it's humming. I sit straight up in bed, wide awake, listening. The humming stops for a moment and then starts up again. It's definitely humming, only it's louder this time. It's in my room, and I can faintly make out a melody. The humming disappears. Wednesday morning. Yawning down the stairs, I make my way to the kitchen. I fill up my coffee mug and take a sip. That is so good, I think, taking another. Rob is getting a bowl of cereal for James and strawberry oatmeal for Paige. I hear him chuckle to himself, and I look up. What? I demand. He shakes his head and chuckles again. Rough night? He asks. I stand in silence, taking another gulp of hot coffee, and shake my head. Not really. I start. It's just that... I pause again. This was the second night in a row that I thought I heard one of the kids humming. First from their room, and then from ours. When I woke up, it stopped. He raises his eyebrows at this, gently takes my mug out of my hands, and sets it on the counter. M, maybe you should go back to sleep, he says. I got this. But you didn't hear anything, I question, throwing my hands into the air. No humming at all? No, Emily, nothing, he says. Friday night. Mommy, a small voice whispers. I jump up looking for which child needs me in the middle of the night. George looks up at the same spot that I do and puts his head back down and goes back to sleep. There's no one there. I look frantically around the dark room for any sign of one of the kids, but see nothing. This time I get out of my bed and walk into their bedroom. Both of them are asleep in their beds and there's no one awake in the house. I must be losing it, I think, and walk back to my bed. Saturday night. Mommy. The child's voice is right next to Rob's side of the bed this time, and I spring up and swing my head in that direction, expecting to see Paige. But there's no one there. George looks in that direction and postures his body, 
hissing at the empty space beside the bed. His hair is raised and his ears are back. I feel fear creep up for the first time. Georgie, what do you see? I say to him, trying to calm him down. My voice sounds frantic. Jumping out of bed, I run to the kids' room to check on them. Both are again sound asleep in their beds. My heart starts racing. Now I'm wide awake. What the hell is going on, I think, putting my hands on the sides of my face. I do not go back to sleep that night. Sunday. Embarrassed to tell Rob about what happened, I keep it to myself. He won't believe me, I tell myself. Exhausted and cranky from lack of sleep, I had stumbled my way through the day and am avoiding going to sleep. I am afraid of what the night will bring, what I might hear or see. Losing the fight to stay awake, my book drops out of my hand and my head slumps to my chest. Monday morning. When I wake up, I can tell that I had slept through the night. I feel refreshed and the sun is shining through the open blinds. Stretching, I sigh loudly, feeling relieved and happy. I must have been imagining it, I think and smile. Popping out of bed, I make my way down the stairs. The kids are both sitting at the table eating breakfast. Good morning, I say brightly at them. Hi, Mom, James mumbles through his mouth of cereal. Hi, Mama, Paige perks up. Where's Daddy, I ask. James points toward the kitchen. I head that way and walk straight to the cupboard to get my favorite mug. Morning, I say to the air while pouring my coffee. The steam rises to greet me as I take a huge gulp. Finally turning around, I see Rob standing against the counter with his arms crossed. He is biting his thumbnail and staring straight ahead. My mug lowers slowly and the calmness drains from my body. Uh Uh-oh. He continues staring ahead. What's wrong? I ask, walking toward him and setting my mug on the counter next to him. Only his eyes move to greet me and his body continues to face the same direction. He brings his thumb down, brings his hands together, then lifts them in front of his mouth. Look, I didn't want to tell you this, but he turns toward me. I, I didn't, he begins. The anticipation is making me feel as if my heart is going to burst. I swallow and brace myself. I didn't believe you when you told me about the humming. His eyes dart back and forth, looking for my reaction. Okay. I thought maybe you were just stressed or tired, but last night, he pauses, looking down at the floor, then looks back up to me. After I put the kids to bed, you were already asleep and spit it out, Rob. What the hell? I shout, frustrated with how long this is taking. Okay, okay, he sighs. Last night, after I put the kids to bed, he begins pacing. I got in bed and was just about to fall asleep. He stops and looks at me. Em, I swear to God, someone crawled into bed with us and laid right against my legs. I sat up and said, hi, sweetie, to Paige, but... It wasn't Paige, I interrupted. He shook his head. No, there was no one there. This is Maria Hill, and you've been listening to The Haunted Spaces. Tune in next week to hear a new ghostly tale. Until then, 
keep your eyes and ears open for what may be sharing your spaces.